Resilient Disciples podcast, powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. This Sunday, the church will come together, alone but together, to celebrate Easter. And we recognize that for so many of you, this might be the first Easter that you are not in a church building in your entire life. We recognize how weird and how strange this moment is. And yet we know that we have an opportunity, and in many ways, a biblical direction to continue the work of making resilient disciples. That's why I wanted to talk to Catherine McNeil. You can frequently read Catherine at awana.org. She's also the author of All Shall Be Well, Awakening to God's Presence in His Messy, Abundant World, and Long Days of Small Things, Motherhood as a Spiritual Discipline. I linked in the show notes one article in particular that I found really helpful and encouraging in this strange season that Catherine entitled Five Ways to Easter in Place. I don't want you to think of this as some sort of prescriptive list. While giving you examples, Catherine is describing what this unique Easter might look like in her home and what it might look like in your home. But I hope you find this conversation as encouraging as I did. Here is episode 24 of the Resilient Disciples podcast. In the interest of full disclosure, one of the hardest things about the past couple of weeks have been how all the people who are generally attempting to invest in my family life in some way, whether it's teachers, um, churches, uh, even magazines and apps and television programming um, are all scrambling to say, how can we still provide helpful input during this time. And I get that. I really appreciate that. Uh, But the trouble is, is that for my family, I'm the clearinghouse for all of that. And so I could easily spend 40 hours a day going through all of the emails and app notifications saying, here's something that might help you. Here's something for you and your kids to do. Um, And so that's not helpful for me. Um, Yeah. It would be helpful, I think, if there was some of that, (laughs) but trying to find the diamond in the rough of the content creators coming towards me has been uh, challenging. So as I thought about Easter and Holy Week, and I didn't want to just write a piece that says, you can still dye eggs. Um, you know, <laughs> here's a recipe for this or that. I thought to myself, what is, from my perspective, obviously everyone's going to come at it from a different angle, but what is the, the felt need that I'm having and that my children are having? And at least for me, um, you know, we have been going through winter, we have been going, some of us who observe Lent, going through Lent, and Resurrection Sunday is the culmination of all of this focus on death into an explosion of new life and celebrating the gospel news that Jesus is alive, that God's resurrection plan, that God's redemption of creation is in effect. We are moving forward. We have not been deterred. Death has not won. Winter is not the final word. Um, Life is here now. But in our actual cultural moment, um, that's not actually what we're feeling. That's not actually what we're seeing. It's like we are going through a different um, liturgical cycle in which uh, death is 
hanging on. Death is increasing. Um, anxiety and loss and dormancy are holding on. Um, so how do I, as a Christian and as a Christian parent, celebrate this victory of God of new life when it seems to be put on pause right now? Yeah. So I tried to reflect about, about that and then offer some ideas that I thought I could do without going to the store, <laughs> without opening a Pinterest account. Um, what could my kids and I do to celebrate and proclaim God's resurrection this coming Sunday? So in the piece, you, you do a really, I think, really helpful thing, which I, to your point about content creators kind of bombarding us with stuff, you know, like, a, I love them. But I didn't need to hear from Chipotle about the coronavirus. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> the, and two, Auto two parts. Exact, Auto parts. Yes, right. me with resources. <laughs> and there's a lot, you know, I understand why people feel the need to show that they can be helpful on both a genuine side, like a good company side, mm-hmm. and also from a strategic business standpoint, you don't want, you know, to quote Rahm Emanuel, you don't want, yeah. yeah, you don't want to use a, don't let any uh, good crisis go to waste um, <laughs> or go unused is the actual quote. Would hate to, would hate to misquote him because I know he's a big listener to the podcast. Um, <laughs> so the- He will be now. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but you do, you do a really eff- effective level setting in the piece that I want to talk about. You say in the piece, the Christian story has never turned a blind eye to the troubles around us. Mm-hmm. What I hope people hear from a lot of the conversations we have with Awana is we've be, a few people, I think Matt may have said it first, but have talked about this as this kind of an energizing opportunity for the church, mm-hmm. for the church to do historically what the church has always done. It was really helpful for me to, to see people like yourself in this, in this piece to set the sort of level expectation of this is a moment for us. It's an opportunity for the church to lead, frankly. You also have a, a quote where you say, we cannot know what Easter morning will bring us, but we know that God is already there. How do we begin to articulate to kids that God is already there if we ourselves can't leave our house? Sure. Well, hopefully I'm not going to get too theological here, but I've been struck for years, for decades at... Um, how deeply syncretistic I think American Christianity has become with the idea of American exceptionalism. And um, for some reason, and it's been never clear to me where this message comes from, but um, so many of the people that I grew up with left the faith when they found out that life was still going to be hard. And that's Mm. always been uh, something that's grieved me greatly because life is hard and there is nowhere in the Bible where God says, hey, I'm like a Santa Claus uh, guardian angel best buddy, hook your line to me and everything is going to be great day and night. That is not in the Bible at all. In fact, Jesus says in this world, you will have trouble, but... I am with you. I have overcome the world. My peace, I leave with you. Um, he is equipping us. Our life in God equips us to go through times of pain and struggle, um, deep suffering, all of the suffering that is common to man on earth, um, plus more, because we have to stand up for justice and we have to stand up for righteousness um, in a world that is drunk on greed and narcissism. So we're going to suffer even more than normal people. Um, and I think that moments like this where 
suffering is not something we can pretend is for someone else, um, is a, an incredible discipleship opportunity for the church and an orient, an identity orient, reorientation opportunity. And, and don't get me wrong, I am also not super enthusiastic about the people looking for the opportunities right now. I think we need to just sit and lament. But that's what I'm saying. This is an opportunity for us to say, life is full of suffering and God is here. These aren't two things that are in tension with each other. They never have been. Right. I told you I was going to get into the, into the weeds <laughs> here, but um, so yes, I think we have an incredible opportunity today, tomorrow, this week, Easter Sunday, and in the weeks and months and maybe years to come to say, we have clarity on something that we've lost sight of in the midst of deep grief and suffering. God is present. God's yeah. peace is there. And we can walk forward in his power, even in the darkness. I love that. And I think what's so helpful to me about that too, is that the darkness is universal, right? And yes. unlike previous times where those who weren't believers, I don't want to say can live in a level of ignorance, but aren't, can have a level of deniability that the world can tell them that they're okay. The, you know, Americans can talk about how exceptional they are, right? Mm -hmm. um, this is a universal thing that we're all dealing with. And I think that's why we believe that this is building resilience within the church. It's building mm -hmm. in resilience within our kids. You know, this is going to be a before and after event for our kids' yes. lives. It already is. And now we have, you know, so you think about your kids right now, who when they're 40, they're going to be telling stories about right now and what you as a family were doing right now. And it, it increases the level of importance, but to your point, also hopefully increases the level of visibility that we have to non-believers as look at how that that Christian apartment across the hall that we wave to sometimes because we want to maintain appropriate social distance. Look <laughs> at how they are handling this pandemic. Right. There is something different about them. There is something yes. um, that you know becomes inviting to people. Yes. Um, I love what you said about how we are supposed to move from a time of death to resurrection and how mm -hmm. in a typical calendar year that brings um, so much hope. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, I often kind of laugh when people are trying to like explain to their kids why Good Friday service has to be sad. Right. Mm, yeah. You know, it's like, well, but Jesus came back. It's like, yeah, but we have to, we have to sit in it for a little we bit. Right. To to learn yeah. yeah. And now we are in stark contrast to that. But mm -hmm. yet to your point from the piece, Easter is still coming. God is yes. still risen. Sunday is still coming. Yes. You strike a hopeful tone, right? You are able yeah. to talk about the hope that comes in Easter. I think yeah. a lot of people right now don't have the hope. So how do we show people that hope? You know, a lot of it I think comes down to what I'm trying to talk to my kids about right now as we're going through a lot of feelings. We got a lot of feelings in this house right now and nowhere to, nowhere to take them but right here. Um, we have a list of really common emotions right now. We are feeling sad. We are feeling angry. We are feeling worried. Um, and we do not need to pretend like we're not. And I think God invites us to step into lament. Um, the Bible says that Jesus wept. Um, Jesus handled his friends coming and flying in his face and saying, why did you do this? You're God. Why didn't you do it a different way? And he didn't put them in their place. He, he wept. Um, so I think we can really uh, take this time to sit in 
in the grief. You know, the Bible invites us to sit in the house of mourning, even to visit. Um, better to sit in the house of death sometimes than feasting. And we love feasting. You know, we want to go right from Christmas to Super Bowl Sunday, right to Easter. Um, this is an opportunity for us to sit in the house of mourning and feel those feelings that we prefer to pretend aren't there. But then I think also to remember that all of the Christian witness from the past 2,000 years, from Jesus' disciples who were being persecuted and killed in some cases, um, all the way up to my own personal life, the testimony has been that in times of suffering, God is present and meets with his people and carries them through. And we can't necessarily have the hope or the faith to see that. Uh, yeah. But we can look back on our own lives. We can look back through church history and see that God has been faithful. Um, that that is the entire record of scripture and the entire record of 2,000 years since the canon was closed. That even in the darkest day, God is present. And if I could just give a little shout out, my whole book, All Shall Be Well, is about that. It is about um, using these cycles of day and night and light and dark and winter, slowly, slowly turning into spring and summer um, as a way to practice yeah. remembering that new life is coming even when it's so far off, we can't even begin to imagine what that'll look like. Yeah, I love that. I think that it's so critical for those of us who um <laughs> for lack of a better term are making christian content um to remember the humanity of these kind of moments mm -hmm. because i think that one of the for me the things that have been so helpful is and other people i want to have said this but also figuring out ways to talk to your kids about what god has already done in their lives yeah. or already done in the lives of your family i think the mistake that we make often is that we we treat kids like they have some sort of junior level of the Holy Spirit, mm. not, not biblical, right? right? And how do we how do we connect the resilience that God is building in them right now with previous circumstances that that has happened, knowing especially that for a kid, coronavirus and a kid being mean to them at school hmm. might feel similar level of weights, and to be able to use that to our advantage to show that God got them through that, God's going to give them through yes. this. Like I think the, you know, my daughter's four. So in some ways, my, my wife and I are really kind of just like, uh, it's coming online as far as discipleship mm -hmm. conversations mm -hmm. are concerned. Right. But to me, the, the being a loving, caring adult for my kids right now is about, um, I heard some, a good friend of mine recently said, like, it's our job right now to be soft for our kids knowing that they're going to give us a lot of their emotions right now and they're going to be harsher with us. Like it's our job to be soft. So let's, let's talk about the title of the article is five ways to Easter in place. Hmm, and yes. you list out the five mm -hmm. uh, ways. I do want people to go read your article. So I don't want to, you know, hashtag spoiler alert, I guess, <laughs> but I do want to kind of talk about each of them individually um, because I think what I like about your article is that it, it's a conversation starter and mm -hmm. it allows people to figure out what this means for them in their local context. However, you do give people tangible examples. So yes. let's talk, let's talk about process. So, you know, I actually mean 
process. <laughs> yeah. Like procession. I'm going to leave that in because that is, that's a beautiful moment. <laughs> so process, which obviously yes. that's what it, that's what it says. Process. Why would anyone think that? <laughs> um, so what do you mean by process? You know, actually for Palm Sunday, I just could not sit in my house on Palm Sunday. I had to find some palm branch. It was not a palm branch. It was something. And give some to my kids and my husband. And we actually uh, got another neighborhood family to process with us on the other side of the street. We definitely were very vigilant about social distancing. But we marched up and down our block, waving our faux palm branches and shouting Hosanna and singing songs. And I needed that so badly. That brought me to life. Um, I followed all the rules of social distancing and sheltering in place, but I went outside and I literally proclaimed with my body and my voice that Jesus is the Messiah. And I intend, if we are healthy, to uh, rally my children and do the same again this coming Sunday, this time um, shouting and singing that Jesus is risen. So I can't process through my church. I can't join hundreds of other Christians in person to raise my voice and sing, but I'm going to walk outside and process. That's beautiful. And I think the person who's hearing this is probably going like, oh, well, I can't do that in my neighborhood. And my two, my question there, yeah, you know, you and I are talking, doing this over Zoom so I can see your shoulder shrug. But yeah, (laughs) like that for me is sort of like, maybe you could, why not? Yeah. But also that um, there is such a value in that because that your kids are going to remember that forever. Yeah. And that is that kind of um, moment that is going to be so crystallizing for them in their, in their faith as they are the leaders of the church of 2050. Um, that one time we were super goofy and <laughs> ran down the sidewalk singing while our friends were on the other sidewalk. Yeah. And they don't, you know, I just, I, that's a beautiful picture. And I, and I would hope that people go, even those who are like, oh, I can't, I can't do that in my neighborhood who go, okay, well then do it on your back porch right? or do it in your house, figure out a way to live that out for the sake of discipling your kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I didn't feel at least slightly willing to make a fool out of myself in public, I wouldn't have chosen a career that causes me to be interviewed on podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you don't want to do it around the block, you know, do it on your porch, do it on your balcony. If you're in an apartment building, go around your, go around your yard, go around your living room, you know? It's yeah. snowing some places, but make some noise. Just make some noise. Jesus is alive. He is alive today. Amen. That's great. So uh, next one on the list is lights. Um, yeah. And I think some people are going to be really happy to hear this, people who maybe haven't gotten to taking down their Christmas lights down. Um, <laughs> So why, why lights for Easter in place? You know, this idea came to me because we put lights up for Advent and for Christmas because there is so much darkness and we need, and you know, this is a tradition that's thousands of years old. We need to light the candles. We need to put out the lights, the beautiful lights to say, um, there is still brightness. There is still life, even though it's so dark. I just thought, you know, what if we put candles in our window or lanterns on our front porch or strung those Christmas lights from the eaves to say, in this darkness, Jesus is alive. Jesus, the light of the world is here. Yeah. And, And again, for people, the ability to 
what is, you know, what does lighting up the world look like to you look like in your context? Because I think, I think about friends of mine who, you know, guys I went to college with who the idea of owning a candle, let alone being able to use it to light up the world is, uh, is so foreign to them. Like there, there, there are ways to make this work, work for you to celebrate what we're talking about. Um, so here's maybe the, probably the most obvious one on the list, but flowers. Yeah. Um, so I draw that correlation for myself. You know, I feel like flowers and Mother's Day were the times where my dad was like, dude, you got to get your mom flowers. What are you doing? <laughs> um, so why, why does flowers make the list for you, though? Um, you know, even when it's not coronavirus season, I, I think part of the reason why I still live in the upper Midwest is because of that moment after months of darkness and cold <laughs> and despair, I walk outside and I see the little green shoots of my crocuses pushing up through the snow. That moment to me is equal in weight to the whole four months of suffering that came before it. Um, flowers and those beautiful shoots of new life. My asparagus is growing right now. Um, it is the thing that has told us since God created the world that the season has turned, new life is coming. And I think it speaks to us on a, almost a physical level. Um, but it certainly signifies the calendar and the church calendar. Um, new life is here. And I, I, yeah. as soon as I have enough flowers to, to gather into a bouquet, um, I'm going to have those on my, on my side tables. Um, and there are a lot of people listening right now and reading and um, in the Iwana family that have, that live in a different climate and they have flowers aplenty. So please celebrate <laughs> Easter with flowers for me. Amen. That's great. But one of the things that's been so joyous for me in the season of parenting is going on uh, nature walks with my daughter. Yeah. I live, I live in Chicago. So nature is um, the green parts next to the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Um, but there've been so many times where we've been walking down the street and she said, Oh, look at that flower. I'm like, what flower? Right. And I would have completely missed it if it wasn't, if I wasn't walking at the pace of a four-year-old. Yeah. And I think again, to connect it to discipling for kids, it's such a natural conversation to talk mm-hmm. about life out of darkness, to talk about right. life in that moment. Um, that is on such a kid level, especially yeah. in my daughter's case, when uh, her doofus dad wouldn't have seen it otherwise. So the I, the next thing on your list is songs, which mm-hmm. I don't know if there's ever been a time where I've been more grateful to have an Amazon device. Mm. Say device, so that if anyone's listening to this on speaker right now, it's not waking up that device in your house right now. Um, <laughs> But the ability, you know, the ability to have a sort of a built-in speaker in our home. Songs also makes this list for you about ways to shelter in place for Easter. Yeah. Um, what do songs look like in your context? You know, music has always been really important to me. There have been many troubles um, that I have sung my way out of. Uh, one song stanza at a time. Sometimes it takes months of singing, but... Um, I think it is a powerful tool that God has given us in how he created us and how he created the world. Um, and Easter is a time of song. You know, we love going to church on Sunday and singing those Easter anthems. And we can't do that, but we can still sing. And again, we've already established I'm, I'm comfortable making a fool out of myself in public. But um, I do have an Easter playlist that I created more than a decade ago. And I have 
played it loudly every Easter morning since, and I look forward to doing that again, and I will probably have my windows open, and I will definitely be singing along. That's beautiful. And I love, you, you know, you've referenced this a few times, and you reference it in the piece as well, but um, the coronavirus is the season of people shutting down and going inward, mm-hmm. right? Um, my wife and I are foster parents, and a big mm-hmm. cry of our heart during the season has been uh, when governments are telling people to shelter in place and the recognition that in place is not the safest place for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But you in opening your windows, in putting lights out outside, in walking down the street with your kids, these are all these little tiny examples of ways to be the lampstand on the mm-hmm. table. That is a simple way to show people the hope and love of Jesus. That is a simple way to begin conversations with people and to uh, Valerie uses this expression a lot that I really like, which is to love people to Jesus Mm. can start with just simple things of opening your windows so that everyone can hear uh, in my house, how bad I am at singing, but also the music that's coming out of my home. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, it's good news, right? It's good news that we have not, bad news. Um, I think we get that confused. I really do. I think we're telling people bad news a lot of the time. And that doesn't mean that we need to be happy all the time. You know, I started this podcast, depending on how you edit it, uh, by saying that part of the opportunity for the church right now is to lead the way and lament, to say, uh, this is a time of grieving, and that's what we're going to do. And God is right there in the middle of the grieving. But yet Easter Sunday is a day set apart out of all the days in the year to rejoice. And we can lead the way in that as well. Yeah. And in that rejoicing, like, I think I've seen, I don't know if this is true, but it's at least been true in my social media feeds. The, the conversations that the church is having right now, the ones that are being, uh, that are most impactful to people are the ones that are most authentic. Really authenticity has to win the day. You have to be able to, lead the way in lamenting and acknowledging how hard it is for people because otherwise people will accuse you of being tone deaf right? while also celebrating the hope that we have and the good news uh, that we can share. And good mm-hmm. news sometimes is embodied by colors, mm-hmm. um, which is the a sort of fifth sort of handle that you put on this idea of sheltering in place. So just how colorful is your house going to be? <laughs> Well, we shall see. It depends on what happens between now and then. (laughs) Yeah, day by day, hour by hour. That's true. Uh, But my kids and I have enjoyed doing some sidewalk chalk in front of our yard. And um, like I said, if those flowers come up, I'm coming for them. Nice. A simple thing like sidewalk chalk can make a really profound impact on a kid's life. And Mm -hmm. I hear people talk, talk about their stories and talk about the ways that as a child they began to love Jesus. And I came to the faith, I came to the faith in college. Um, and sometimes I feel like I missed out because I see, uh, you know, I had a conversation with uh, Valerie and West Stafford and seeing them light up talking about the ways that loving, caring adults created environments that they could belong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in their cases, decades previous, but mm-hmm. the way that they talked mm-hmm. about it with such clarity as if it had happened yesterday. I think about all the different ways that we can do that for our kids now. Mm. And I think what I hope people get from your article is that you're not, you are being descriptive. You're not being prescriptive. Definitely um, not. <laughs> about ways to shelter in place for Easter. Yeah. 
but that you are giving people inspiration on what this can look like. And in some cases, reminding them that we have hope in Easter. And in a few cases, reminding them that Easter is even on Sunday anyway. So um, one of the interesting things that I think about this moment is that it is a generational defining moment, yet we all kind of recognized it more quickly than previous Mm. generational defining moments. So when you, when you look back at your, at your childhood, you know, how do you think the moments that you had as a kid compared to this and how are you, how are you trying to connect those dots or amplify those echoes from your previous experience? I think looking back on my own childhood, the things that have solidified my faith now, 40 years later, um, was not the good times. Honestly, it was the suffering. It was even the notably sustained, traumatic, horrible seasons. Not those themselves, but the fact that on the other side, and I mean far on the other side, years and decades on the other side, I was able to look back and say, God was there all the way. And so I do pray for the children that are coming up, growing up today. And I actually have been praying this for my kids since the very first day of this quarantine, that this will be the season as full of fear and disease and death as it actually and truly is, that they can look back on 40 years later and say, that was the time that I realized that God was not just an idea that my parents or teachers told me about, that God was real, and that he is present in the good times and in the darkness. And it took me decades to realize it, but that was when the seed was planted. So that is my prayer for all of us. The Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Thanks to Kevin Orris and Phil Wallace for making the podcast happen. And thank you for listening. I'll talk to you next week.